Are you wondering how to build a brand when fragmentation is an industry challenge? That's where shifting to an omni-channel approach can make all the difference in the world. By partnering with a programmatic expert like Zaxxis, you can create an omni-channel video strategy. Walled gardens and all to achieve the outcomes you want. Visit Zaxxis.com to get started with omni-channel programmatic video solutions. That is X-A-X-I-S.com. Let's talk about a specific product, and that's email. The kinds of emails that real people really get if you look at the data when it comes to email, it always tells you to send another one. <laughs> you want it not to say that, but literally the data says like, you'll make this much more if you send another email. Explain the, the decision that goes into how many email newsletters you, you really need. Welcome to a special episode of the Digiday Podcast. I am Brian Morrissey. Every week on the show, you hear from digital media executives about the strategies they are taking to build sustainable businesses. But strategies are one thing and execution is another. In this series of the next five weeks, we're publishing bonus episodes of the Digiday podcast where we go in the weeds on everything from how to build a profitable events business to making a great podcast. For this episode, we look at what goes into making an essential email newsletter. Email has had a renaissance over the last few years particularly as publishers focus more on direct connections with their audiences. I sat down with Zach Seward, Chief Product Officer and Executive Editor of Quartz. He oversees product development, editorial strategy, and audience growth at Quartz. We discussed what goes into an effective email strategy. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. So tell me about your role, because you have, um, I'm always interested in people who have one foot in, in two worlds, and you've got a, a foot in the editorial world and a, and a foot in the product world. Yeah, my background is as a journalist. That, that's all I ever wanted to be since I was eight years old. And I was doing that, what you'd call editorial jobs. When it came to Quartz, the role became, as you said, like a hybrid. Uh, initially, we didn't have product or product team. You didn't right. need that with a dozen people. Uh, but we were doing product-like things like building the website or, or email products, etc. As we grew, we created the, a real product group. We're now 40, 50 people strong. And the competitive advantage we saw was to marry great editorial and great product design and engineering. And when you do those well in tandem, I think that's that's how you get a great editorial product. It just how how is that different from places you had been before? Because everyone will will say something like this, but the reality is they've got they've got legacy structures that sort of work against that. Right. It, it's all about the structure. I think. Right. It, it's not. I don't think it's a lack of capability. Right. Uh, typically, the product team is on the so-called business side, and it's on a different floor. That was certainly my experience mm -hmm. in prior jobs. And as a result, there's just this huge disconnect. What the newsroom is trying to express through the product and what the product team's trying to express turn out to be very different things. There's not a ton of alignment. The, even just the logistically, the process of building the product is separate. You know, it goes go off with the product team goes off and builds this thing according to business objectives, delivers it to the newsroom, newsroom fills in the spaces that have been allotted to it. It led to 
these experiences, I think, uh, on news websites, apps, and emails that did feel a little disjointed. uh, Suboptimal. Yeah, let's let's, let's put it that way. (laughs) And so my my boss is the editor-in-chief, Kevin Delaney, uh, at Quartz. And so that means the product team is a part of our newsroom. That's a crucial part of the strategy is like we're we're all right there and and my job specifically is to make sure that as we've grown the alignment remains there between what we're building as a product team and what we're we're trying to achieve as an editorial team and of course our business objectives. We all believe across the organization that you got to start with a, a great editorial product mm-hmm. and and that's what's going to make a great advertising product and what advertisers want to be a part of. It's Fortunately, it's it's the whole proposition of courts in the market to advertisers is that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a specific product, and sure. that's email. Because I I think a lot of people have looked at, at courts, um, you know, uh, fondly for uh, really nailing email. And, and at a time, everyone is all about email all of a sudden again. Um, but at a time when a lot of people were overlooking email. Explain how... Quartz goes about building a great email product? Where does it start? So we today have two daily emails, the Quartz Daily Brief, which you send in the morning, whenever, your morning, wherever you are in the world, and the Quartz Obsession, which is sent in the afternoon. Daily Brief has been there since day one at Quartz, which was in 2012. And so when we when we launched, we were a website, keezy.com, and the court's daily brief. And we thought the daily brief was a really crucial part of what we were trying to build with courts overall. Like we, if we just launched with a website, there'd be something missing. And that something missing was a daily touch point with, with readers. So, that, you know, that was the like, oh, all right, we need, we need some, we need some way to be in touch with people who want to get more loyal with courts. Um, we knew our greatest overall growth was going to come through the website on the back of social media and and that obviously came to pass but Mm -hmm. um we didn't want to neglect email so at the time most news organizations emails were roundup style meaning a list of links here's the best stuff we published today or this week or whatever and and you know i think there's a there's a good deal of value in in those kinds of emails we i don't wouldn't deride that approach but we did choose to take a pretty different Mm -hmm. uh tack with uh with with the daily brief and the main strategy was let's just great create a great email something you can read entirely in your inbox there are plenty of links you can click them plenty Mm -hmm. of people do but you certainly don't have to but that's not the kpi yeah, the KPI is opens. We're already talking KPI. Yeah, right. This is truly in the weeds pocket. <laughs> yes, and I just said I'm not on the business <laughs> side, but I, uh, I've learned I've learned the acronyms. The, the the we are we want you to open it, get to the end, love it, and uh, and 
then open it the next day. So, so actually, very specifically, we um, we track weekly active users as the main metric for, across all of our emails that we're we're optimizing mm-hmm. for. What's active? It opens it, at least once in that week. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and we do weekly instead of daily because uh, not all we oh. uh, obsession is five days a week. Daily brief is six, and our other emails are just weekly. So. But active matters. I think, you know, I'm sure we've been guilty of quoting the highest possible number. How many subscribers, how many emails, whether they're uh, living people or yeah. not, are let's in the not, database. Let's not, let's not check the, the pulses on some. <laughs> yeah, fair. But certainly internally, all we care about yeah. is you're actually opening it. Be- because it goes back to what I was saying. We, you know, we monetize these emails through advertising. It's profitable on that level alone. Mm-hmm. But the real, real value and the real purpose of these emails is an ongoing relationship with those readers that you know quite obviously is not really possible through the website or at the very least we we wouldn't in, rely entirely on you know faith that people are going to keep coming back directly to mm-hmm. the website um, and want wanted something much more direct yeah but I think that the key that you guys got at too was that it was, it was a product unto itself. It wasn't just a gateway to a different product, which was a website. Because I feel like a lot of emails um, have often looked like poor imitations of websites or, or feeds of links in, mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and they don't look like the kinds of emails that we, and they don't feel like the kinds of emails that we actually enjoy receiving. Like when we receive emails that look like um, websites were like <laughs> spam. Well, right, it's, it sort of puts you in the mind of like e-commerce. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I I think that's that's right. I mean, the obsession, uh, flash forward five years, attempts to do really cool things with email that w- weren't even possible a few years ago. But the daily brief from day one and still today is just text, and you know it it's written in the style of and, and appears to you in its design like someone like a trusted advisor tapped out this email. Yeah, like for the you kinds your... of emails that like. Yep. We real general, people, real humans. people really get yeah, like a hundred percent. There's uh, the, the the most fascinating thing we found with the with the daily brief. At the end of every email, we have like a kicker sign off. You know, send to uh, you can follow us on Twitter or whatever, and then we say uh, send us tips, uh, jokes, and and then some reference to. Uh, a news item, usually like a more whimsical news item from within the email mm-hmm. to hi at qz.com. And it, it's the worst, cheesiest joke it, it, you, you could imagine, but it's a joke. And it, um, a, it's very obvious that a human every day has written that, that joke for you. And it by far is the number one thing we get feedback on on the email. Like, oh, I love, I can't, I always, I love getting to the end of the email and um, reading the joke. And, and again, it's not because it's funny. It's uh, at best like a heh, uh, funny joke, but it, um, but it's, I, I mean, I think it's quite obvious. But the point because, is the human touch that it, right. it there was it this human convinced. on the other end. And even now when it's going out to hundreds of thousands of people, it still feels and reads hopefully to people like it was written for them. Um, so how did you balance that with making money off it? Because a lot of times, like as you said, editorials given these boxes to fill in, you know, whether it's with a feed or, or whether it's 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 with other types of text. Um, because everyone wants, you know, we need three display units in, in the email. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not privy to comparison data at other publishers, but I 
bet our monetization of emails has turned out to be better than average. And for one, we sell it as a separate product. So typically email advertising is like, you know, the lowest bottom of the barrel um, programmatic networks for understandable reasons, but it's not, it's not, it's not at any any CPM to to write home about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're selling it at same kind of CPMs we're selling advertising on our other products and selling it directly. It's not. I know another typical thing with email advertising is it's an add-on, and I think at, at the start it was an add-on for us too. Like you know, I will throw in a, a daily brief uh, ad for you, uh, but very quickly it became its own thing, and so we have lots of clients who to just buy the daily brief or the obsession. The obsession is sold out this year. And I I think the fact that it's designed and written as a separate product is related to how we're able to monetize it as a separate product. That a link I think a link email would be less likely to be credible out there in the marketplace as uh, as some separate thing you want to really own and be a part of as an advertiser at best. It's a, yeah, you can stick stick my ad in there and hopefully 0.02% of people click it. Uh, so I, I'd be lying if I said that was precisely the, you know, the strategy or, or why we made those decisions at the beginning, but it was nice to see that that's how it um, evolved, that, that that's what, uh, that there was a mar- an additive market for um uh, for this kind mm-hmm. of advertising. And then that influenced a lot of the product decisions we made thereafter, both in email and our app and other places, which also are very distinct product experiences and also monetize mm-hmm. separately. Can I read the daily brief on QZ.com? Yeah, I, I, I would acknowledge it's not the easiest thing to I find. I haven't seen it there. But you I can. mean, is that strategically? I mean, because like the question becomes... Why email? Like I understand email makes sense for courts. You want like to build a habit. You want to have data. You get actual direct data about your audience. You don't if they're just flying in through Facebook or something like this. But some people get too much email. They don't like email or something like this. So they might want to just read it on the website. Yeah. So so the, I mean the actual answer to your question is yes, you can um, <laughs> you go to the email page and click. It's hard. It would reminds me of those. So, so we had the same thought as you. You know, all those people love the daily brief, but we only send it once a day. Maybe, maybe it's not the wrong time for them. Maybe they want an update later on in the day. And so, three, four years ago, whenever it was, we first introduced a homepage to QZ.com. Of course, yeah. somewhat famously launched without any homepage. Our very first attempt at a, at a homepage was actually a continually updated version of the daily brief to try to test this idea. All right, maybe let's treat even the homepage as its own separate product apart from the rest mm. of the website. And maybe this will be something that people get accustomed to coming back to and bookmark. Um, because, yeah, why? You don't have to just read it in your inbox. They did not. That was not. It turned out, uh, at least for our audience, to, to not be a, a habit uh, we could form. And we moved on to, to different experiments for the homepage. And I, I don't know, you know in retrospect that that was that that should have been that surprising. It, um, you know, you people can tell when when something written for one form is just repurposed 
in another. It but it often really feels and reads that way. And but email is a platform. Yeah, yeah, and it and and as a result, it has constraints and uh, product design considerations that are different from a website, and vice versa. And that's what, in an overarching way, that's what we're trying to to take advantage of. Like even the constraints of email that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's impossible to do um, complex designs well across a ton of email clients is an interesting constraint to try to work with when you're mm-hmm. building an email product. So talk about that a little bit sure. because it's one of those true in the weeds things, the fact that it's so annoying that everyone gets email in so many different ways and each of those ways has their own, um, you know, like... Uh, I, for instance, like Estee Lauder, we cannot put an accent in our emails <laughs> in the subject line because it will show up as a question mark in several email uh, clients. Oh, sh- uh, I don't know if we if you've solved this issue, but we we regularly put an emoji in our uh, <laughs> in our subject lines, and that that's its own uh, nightmare. And so, so first of all, if I could make it appeal to all the listeners out there, to everyone should only use Apple Mail on their. <laughs> iPhones, the best email client uh, from the publisher's perspective in terms of reliably, it's going to look and operate the way you want it to. That's not actually the best email client from the user perspective, so I totally understand, <laughs> and my, I, I, I myself don't use it, but uh, but that would be great if everybody just used uh, a single uh, a single client. You know, of course, you have similar challenges on the web with lots of uh, browsers, but you know, at this point, we support any browser with greater than 1% usage, and that's four or five browsers yeah. max. Email is the same calculation for email clients, just at least a dozen. Um, so this is a challenge. It, it, it became a particular challenge when we got around to building the Quartz Obsession, which is our, more, uh, our newer daily email I mentioned before. And that um, it, this was you know four years post Daily Brief, we wanted to like challenge ourselves to, you know, all right, we, Daily Brief had gone well. I think it, you know, created a bit of a reputation for us around like rethinking what you could do with email. Um, but four years had passed, so we wanted to challenge ourselves to do that again. It wasn't mm-hmm. going to be just a, a text-based briefing. Um, and and s- there's bit, most of the major email clients now support web-like behavior um, and we wanted to take advantage of that. so the you know some more complex designs um, and interactivity so the obsession email for instance it always includes kind of a whimsical poll um, and a quiz question in most of the emails and you can in in most uh, email clients just interact and pick your answer right then and there in the email client you can in in Apple Mail and certain other amazing email clients with the with the survey, you can tap your answer. It makes a call back to our server, which responds with the latest results mm. and updates the display right then and there um, with uh, with how other obsession email uh, readers are voting. We didn't invent this, but dynamic email, as it's known, really. Was has only really been used a little bit in e-commerce, you know, which is always ahead of the game when it comes to email marketing um, and, and and email design. Uh, and we we thought, oh, like the support for it, uh, Gmail's support for it was the big game changer. And we're like, all right, we 
we could we could try this and see if web-like interactivity in an email is something that people like. Um, and it's you know it's not fancy. I'm talking about a poll and things that you know the the World Wide Web has supported since the 90s, but it's pretty new to email. Um, and it turns out people do like it, and mm-hmm. they um, it it keeps them coming back. And may and I don't know maybe the equivalent of that joke at the end of the daily brief in the obsession is the poll question at, at the end that people look forward to tapping. And, we, and because it's right there in the email, obviously mm-hmm. we see you know, far greater participation than we would if you had to go off somewhere else. We'll be right back after this quick break. As consumer attention spans shorten, knowing what type of ad to serve when and where is important not only to you, but to the consumer experience. And that is why Zaxxas helps you execute an omni-channel video strategy so your marketing delivers the outcomes you want. Now back to the episode. How many weekly active users do you have? Total. 250,000. Okay. Um, How do you... I mean, you've decided to have, I mean, you have a couple of weekly, I know there's the Quartz weekly, I get that, but you don't have a tremendous number of emails. And I think with email, there is always the um, tendency to verticalize. You know, I mean, I could imagine that, like, you could make a email newsletter for each obsession. Why not? Like, we could just have, like, Mm -hmm. 15 emails instead of, you know, three or four. Uh, Explain the, the decision that goes into how many email newsletters you you really need yeah it's a it's a great question we've definitely thought a lot about it the a consequence of our email strategy it, it's a bespoke product written for this experience um, by humans uh, in, the, in the daily briefs case three times a day um, and in the obsessions case like basically yeah. being a feature-length story five times a week is that you can't just uh, verticalize that forever and do 20 of them. Um, and so there's a there's a trade-off there. We've found, we've done some, some other um, more vertical emails and uh, some have been quite successful, like weekly, weekly, more subject-based emails. Quartzy, which is for our uh, a lifestyle brand, um, and has like a really strong voice of its primary writer, Jenny Evans, is you know a similar strategy to the other emails. It's written as an email. Mm-hmm. It's literally, in that case, written by a specific human who you hopefully get to know through her writing and the fact that it says from Jenny in your in your inbox um and the quartz africa weekly brief is another good example of that um you know written with a strong voice and has amassed a really loyal community uh, of people who are following our coverage of africa it's it's been difficult and and thus we've not done it to to derive a strategy where you could really replicate that kind of strong engagement Mm -hmm. 20 times over um, immediately, and I think it's other built not to scale in some ways. Yes, unfortunately, the, uh, <laughs> uh, you you know you don't. We've not seen value in having twenty emails with a few thousand subscribers each. You maybe if the monetization strategy were different, you you could um, make make something of that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. 
something we thought would would work well or as you said scale well that said got an amazing newsroom you know journalists who have their own personal newsletters others with great ideas for their for newsletters they could do through courts and i'll admit it's it's kind of a struggle i i I would prefer that we were able to say, yes, here's this amazing way to, to leverage all of that um, uh, intelligence and energy in the newsroom, especially now that email seems you know hot again. Yeah. Uh, and look, it's been interesting to see competitors, you know, most notably Axios, do um, a strategy, or, or at least they're they're they have more total number of emails. I don't know that it's mm-hmm. that different from us in terms of they're pouring a lot of energy into each one of them. So the scale question is probably still Mm -hmm. there for them, I would assume. And that, you know, every every new email is a new hire to... They're uh, very personality-driven newsletters. mm -hmm. Every newsletter is attached to a personality. It's very Yeah, very personality-driven, right? It's it's the writer of the email is the social image. But I mean, you're doing that with Quartzy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But an interesting thing I was going to say that Axios has done is blur the line between email and the web um, more effectively than I thought maybe was possible in that mm-hmm. I just I I subscribe to some of their emails but I find I do find myself reading some of their email content on their website God forbid um, in a way that's not you know a particularly mm-hmm. common thing certainly for us or other um, uh, other publishers email products and it doesn't feel weird to me it's all right yeah like I can read this on the web. That's not. Yeah. Um, that's not blasphemy. Well, I, what I wonder about Axios is whether there's like a wear out effect with that, um, with the format that they use for every single <laughs> piece of content. I mean, it it's already. I think it's mostly within the sort of journalist crowd to sort of joke about the be smart stuff, but um, just kind of like an ad. I mean, there's there's usually wear out when you use the same, the same play again and again and again. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a bad play. I just don't know whether every single play has to be that. It's a hard to copy play. I mean, quite, quite, uh, quite obvious. Oh, that's the that's the Axios. <laughs> yeah, no, so it's, there's it's... maybe something to be said for the branding of it. The smart brevity tri- TM. <laughs> the I think. Look, I I was really impressed when they launched at the discipline of writing in that style, and it's it is very related to yeah. e- to email and, and i think you know reflected some of what i think are the better like best practices in email product which is writing it like an email and you know in their case they were interpreting it like a uh, I, I don't know how they would put it but it seemed to me like you know a, a memo dashed off from your boss or it's very washington nobody in yeah. washington i worked in washington my first job like before journalism and nobody in washington can read anything with paragraphs it has to be bullet points. They could actually be paragraphs, short paragraphs, but they they need to be bullet points for anyone in Washington to comprehend information. Right, and at that at its worst, that style is just oh, someone just wrote a bunch of paragraphs and then highlighted it all and said yeah. make them bullet points. Uh, at its best, it it reads um, uh, it it reads better and more easily. I mean, with the obsession email, that's something we have tried to do and and found successful is i said uh, a moment ago these each of these emails so the obsession emails every day a totally different topic we go deep 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 on it and tell you why you too should be obsessed with this this topic you may not have even heard of or didn't know a ton about before you open the email and as a result 
these are really in-depth feature pieces, essentially. I mean, they require the reporting and writing of a 2,000-word article on our website. But our readers don't experience it the way they do a 2,000-word article. They, um, they, I think, don't even think about it as that much as quite that much content there um and and that's that's all owing to the format of the email which is a card-based design so um the way the team is writing that each of these cards kind of stands alone you can and i think most people do read it linearly mm-hmm. um and they kind of build on each other um, but it makes it way easier to scan the whole thing um and i think you know, le- like lowers the burden, frankly, to, for to entry um, to to jump into this feature, especially one that it's a topic. I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. sign up for this. I, I didn't I didn't say I, today I want to know about spooky music, but um, but once so it gets you in the door a little easier, um, lowers the burden, and people find it super scannable, but end up reading the whole mm-hmm. thing as a result. And that's kind of like a similar way. I wrote this long feature and then I chunked it up into a more digestible format. So writing for email is a particular skill. I mean, the, the people who are good at writing magazine pieces are not necessarily good at writing the web. And certainly a lot of people who are good at writing uh, for the web are not good at writing magazine pieces. I think that's right. We have a really talented, uh, what we call the push team at Quartz, and that's their focus is our email products. And it's also our, our uh, app for iOS and, and Android. Um, and they the, they specialize in writing for those formats because it is its own skill Mm -hmm. so everyone has now briefings and and maybe they don't call them briefings maybe they call something a lot of them call them briefings at what point does it become too much because everyone did rush to email i mean it's kind of like podcasts in some way hopefully not this one but every news organization um not every news organization but many news organizations um are rushing out you know daily podcasts now uh, because of the success probably of the daily i'm sure you mm-hmm. saw that the success courts had with email uh, coincidentally or not a lot of people um have rushed out similar products yeah there's only so many there's only so many things you can get in your email inbox right well um, and none of us are like asking for more email i don't think no i think it's definitely a question, but I'm not sure it's that different from other dynamics of publishing. There's only so much time in the day. I can yeah. only, you know, become truly loyal to a handful of publishers, or I'm only going to subscribe to one print newspaper, or I'm uh, in my Twitter or Facebook feed. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna click on average on eight articles, and it's up to the publishers to compete to be among those eight. So I, I don't know that the dyna- the, the competitive dynamics mm-hmm. are that are that different. But but sure, it does mean that being first like like a you know successful podcast, just a successful website, successful email like being in market for a longer period of time matters yeah. quite a bit. Um, you can build uh, you can build on that, but it's pretty difficult the daily notwithstanding to to have an overnight uh hit with these kinds of daily loyalty products that's the nature of daily loyalty is you build it um slowly over time and so so that helps and but beyond that uh, you know i think it's a uh, I, I don't know the nice thing about email 
unsubscribe or just ignore, archive it. Like, sure, people are drowning in email, or I'm sure we, you know, all of us uh, here are, but it, it's 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 pretty easy to manage still um, that that question. Mm-hmm. Just ignore it. So strategically, uh, there's the idea that email is preferable to traffic, say, from uh, or, or a connection to an audience through platforms because you have more control over it. Mm-hmm. But actually, you're still going through different platforms. <laughs> I mean, there's always a choke point when it comes to technology, um, and it, it generally exists in Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. But is it, it's more dependable in that um, it's lower risk as far as having a con- direct connection to your audience? Yeah, I think it does matter that email is an open protocol and that's the, the so the connection is more direct the, the, to the extent it's like mediated by another platform it's it's at the very end of the process the, the email client you're choosing to, to manage how you read your your inbox and, and there are very few open protocols like that in which to reach people. Obviously, the World Wide Web is, is another mm-hmm. pretty uh, important uh, open protocol like that. And SMS uh, is and is another, and that's about it. And everything else is platforms that are directly controlled uh, by uh, by technology companies. I don't I don't view it like as a a value judgment. Where our strategy is, we will happily reach people wherever they choose to get information. So if that's Amazon Alexa and Facebook Messenger, we want to need to be there. And it's also email and the web. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're there too. I, I think I'm, like on a personal level, I'm glad that there remain these open protocols to which to reach people and hope just for like the sake of information delivery and people's choice, uh, that 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 remains and i think the durability of the web and of email suggests that that they will but it sure it's it's interesting and 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 not not for nothing that mm-hmm. primarily you know our relationships with uh with readers are mediated yeah. by by large tech companies uh, one reality of anything involving a subscription is churn and yeah. inactivity uh how do you re-engage because you're fighting, I find everything you're fighting on two fronts. You got to bring more people in, but then you've got people in that you have to try to re-engage. It is so so hard to re-engage. I I, I hesitate to to say it's a lost cause because it's not quite a lost cause. But you know, if I were advising on like an email engagement strategy or the way we think about it, of course, at least keep getting you engaged once you know when you've initially signed up yeah. is the more effective uh, strategy because if we get you engaged from the start you're way way more likely yeah. of course the to... welcome message matters a lot yeah we found like if people engage because we change that and the people who engage like immediately are like hey here's five things that you are so much more likely to stay engaged. Yes. But that, what's interesting to me from what you guys are doing is because everyone in B2B knows this. Like everyone in B2B is has an is all about email sure. because email you you collect data about your information or collect data about your audience and people act on email. Like we do a ton of commerce through email. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 
like millions of dollars. Yes, like, right. I'm, like, I'm aware of all, every and, event I know, you've and ever. Someti- uh, I know. I know. Hosted. Sometimes the main the, the the sandwich gets too much mayonnaise, <laughs> no, right. which is a problem. That's that's actually the biggest problem with email is that it works too well. <laughs> yes. There's no marginal cost to sending an extra email, and if you look at the data when it comes to email, it always tells you to send another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want it not to say that, but literally the data says like, you'll make this much more if you send another email um, and only this many people will drop off. And yep. so the data will always tell you to send more, um, which is a problem. <laughs> yeah, a, a, hu- a huge, huge one. I think it's- It uh, works like, too it's well. The, it's the tabula problem, but on, on email. <laughs> you don't get the negative signal. Uh, necessarily, I mean, it, it, or if you only think of the negative single as unsubscribe, yes. it's then then hundred percent. It's not. But uh, the, the thing that you don't that. get to see is um, is the tune out. Like, there's no yeah. there's no actual. I mean, you can see it in the numbers of your engagement numbers, but like y- you, it's hard for you to 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 track it back. It's an attribution problem. Like, you can't track it back to one email blast or something like this it's just an accumulation of uh it's it's fatigue yeah well so too with push notifications any kind of any essentially any push product or thing you're, you're choosing to put in front of the the audience i think there is a critical lack of that negative signal to truly make a judgment as like how much is too much when we launched the obsession you know we had a lot of trepidation like a two daily emails or we want we the idea was our lo- loyal readers would start their more you know morning with us and also yeah. have a great experience with us and maybe on the train home and but but two is a lot I mean, we, we, you should be so lucky to have one right. daily email that people uh, loyally read could we do two and you know i think you know a year later it's really clear first of all you don't have to read it and you can unsubscribe or otherwise um ignore it and that's and that's not what's happened people love it and it's our you know by far highest engaged uh, uh email product um it turns out two emails okay yeah it's not, it's i've wanted to do am pm yeah sure you know because like we'd, we'd, you focus on the morning because you, you want people to develop the habit and stuff like this but then there's got to be something at the end of the day. I feel like you can do to preview. Vox's daily is is like at eight p.m. every day. Their their daily it's email. An interesting time. I, yeah, I was I was I'd love. I haven't ever t- talked to them over there about that particular choice. I I definitely see the appeal of an end of day email, but I I, I would love to hear the reason on eight p.m. I mean, it could just be logistically Strange. like it's the last thing that gets done. Or I, I don't know, but you know, for me, of course, eight p.m. I'm. If if I'm lucky, yeah. I've logged off. Or the off. person like moved to the West Coast. It's like that's how the street. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, time zones no small thing when it comes to email. We I mentioned the daily brief is sent three times a day, so, so yeah. we're hitting you in the in your morning wherever you are in the world. Which crazy idea? I would not advise anyone to do that, but we had to because Does Quartz is impact, such a global brand. Like, because I know. I remember we used to, this was truly in the, the weeds, like we used sail through and we used this horizon time that they had, which would like supposedly learn about mm. uh, when to send things and stuff like this. Sure. And like, it was like optimization for optimization's sake, at least with us. Like I was like, this is not, the, the, the cost is the regularity of it. And like it, the benefit was like m- minuscule. 
Yep. I think nothing uh, against Seltzer. This is <laughs> I, I think well, Seltzer's whole business is more on e commerce and that's and, and that and other kinds of marketing emails I think is where that matters way more. So the e kind of emails we're talking about and certainly that Quartz does is is a daily habit email. Yeah. So that it shows up at six AM every morning is really important and it doesn't matter if you don't get up until seven you right. as long as you can reliably know it gets there and so adjusting it to six thirty or seven thirty is is kind of beside the point but if i'm trying to target you specifically right, with right. a 20 percent off coupon then and, and i'm not going to send it every day then it does matter uh, a lot more and uh, so i i think yeah some of those uh, advanced email marketing tools such as Seltzer are, are enormously valuable, but not for the kinds these kinds of, of emails, I think. Or we certainly, similarly, have not, not seen much of okay, a difference uh, depending on when you send it. But it does help to have someone in Asia, in our Hong Kong bureau, writing the Europe brief uh, and someone in London writing and sending the, the one for U- the U.S. so nobody has to get up at it. Like so wait, you have people like in different geographies writing for other geographies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this is a this is the as I said, we had to do it this way. We had to have a global e- morning email because that's Quartz's whole editorial value proposition. We're we're covering the entire world. It's not going to be U.S. focused. So no, we just had to do it. Uh, it is logistically way more three times as complicated as just sending it once a day and the mm-hmm. the key to that is our bureaus around the world and more or less it's hong kong sends the europe and africa edition london sends the u.s edition and then in our in our headquarters in new york is the day starts again at 6 p.m eastern when we start the day with our we we end our day by starting the day over with the Asia edition. Okay. Zach, thank you for coming in and geeking out about email. I, anytime <laughs> you want. Open protocols, whatever. I'm, I'm happy to come. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Didi Sangal. Tell us what you think. Tweet at me or email me your feedback. I am at pmarcy on Twitter. I'm also bmarcy at digiday.com on email. Um, also, please do take a minute um, to leave a review for us and rate this podcast. It helps people find it. Um, or tell a friend about it. Um, we would love to have more people discover this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back next week with a new episode. It is time to move to an outcome-based solution by leveraging omni-channel programmatic strategy. Visit Zaxis.com to get in touch. That is X-A-X-I-S dot com.